for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Raisa Girona, Chief Brand Officer at eTaylor Revolve. In late February, Revolve reported its fourth quarter earnings, which exceeded analyst expectations and showed an expanded customer base. I wanted to ask Raisa how Revolve has remained competitive amid new privacy laws and the industry-wide pandemic rush to e-commerce. I also wanted to ask her about the state of the company's influencer trips and activations. Will we see Revolve at Coachella? Welcome, Raisa. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so, so excited to be here with you. So excited to have you. You have been, we don't often have repeats on the Glossy Podcast, but it's been a bit since 2019, right? It's been a very, very long time. So I'm so happy to be back. And again, just so honored for for you to, to have me. Excited to dig in. Let's start there. Will you be at Coachella? <laughs> yes, uh, we're definitely coming back. Um, as you know, Revolve Festival is, you know, historically has been our biggest event of the year. Uh, we went on a two-year hiatus because of the pandemic and of COVID. So we really want to get back out there. We were there last year and just want to do it again. Oh my gosh, cannot wait. Well, speaking of activations, Things involving influencers and young hot things. <laughs> Tell me about the evolution of your um, influencer strategy. I think that everyone is really hijacking the business model of the influencer trips. Are things like that still working for you? How has it changed? Yeah, I mean, the influencer landscape has changed significantly from when we first started doing our influencer trips, right? So we first did our Revolve Around the World before it was called Revolve Around the World in 2014. So nine years ago, officially. And we started with two influencers and obviously that has evolved. We've done over, she's like 120, 130 trips in the last nine years, if not actually way more than that, because we were averaging, what, 15 trips a year. Um, so it's, it's been, you know, it's different because you're right. Everyone is kind of doing it. I think we were probably the first to do it. Um, and so now we've, we've really kind of put that, you know, in the back burner, um, quite frankly. Um, I think the content feels dated to me. Um, and because just because we've been doing it for so long, you know, so our customers want us to, um, which they always challenge us to do better, to think outside the box, to excite them, to inspire them. Uh, trips will always be a part of what we do, but I don't think we're going to do it as frequent. Um, just because, again, I think that content is overserved to the consumer on social media across every single platform. Um, so it's really important for us to evolve. And that's really me and the team's focus, you know, now um, and, and for the next coming years. Yes. Got to ask, what do you make of all of the hoopla surrounding that tart trip? Like, like you said, it was almost like, well, duh, this is how it works. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I felt, you know, I felt uh, badly for them because, you know, you have a platform in TikTok, which by the way, I'm, a, you know, I love TikTok. Like I'm obsessed with it. I'm on it like multiple times a day. I think the, I think the algorithm and just what they've been able to do in the last, call it five years has been incredible. 
but you did, you do give an opportunity for everybody to have, um, you know, their own platform and to be reporters on the ground per se. Right. And so I think if you're a brand, it's really challenging because if you, whatever you do, it almost feels like you're being criticized. Um, and you have so many people that give feedback. So for us, again, because we've been doing so many trips, like we understand that playbook, you know, because in a lot of ways we created it. So we know, like, I'm like, you take girls, you go over there, you create the content, you want them to have the best experience, you want it to be inspirational, you want them to feel inspired, the influencers and the people watching. Um, and it's unfortunate they got such, a, you know, such negative um, backlash. Um, but I think ultimately that's, you know, part of being a brand now, you really have to, um, to be able to navigate all the comments and the feedback and, and just always, you know, try to kind of stick to what, you know, works for, for your brand. And I think that's exactly what Tarte, uh, you know, ultimately did. Yes. Oh my gosh. Beware of the de-influencing. <laughs> it's sure. here. Yeah, it's here. Yes. What are you excited about now, I guess, in terms of influencers or partners, um, people with the following? Is it about about kind of the the nano the the micro or maybe even more about I guess affiliate partnerships like what are you moving toward I mean I think it's all of that you know we again being in the space for so long we've we've seen it um, change some you know so many different ways you had you know before kind of not ever the luxury guys being involved in the influencer space right they kind of never touched influencers. And so, you know, it was really easy for the fast fashion guys, the fashion novas and the boohoos of the world to easily replicate a lot of the marketing, um, you know, styles and playbook that we were doing. And the next thing you know, you have the, the luxury guys coming in too. So now it's not only is the space incredibly competitive, but you really have to, um, you know, figure out who you want to work with. And I think that's one of the more positive things about influencer marketing in the space is that there's just so many <laughs> types of influencers, you know, and especially with the rise of TikTok, you have a whole, you know, now new type of influencer that and creator that really didn't exist before. Right. And so that to me is really, really exciting. And for us, it's the macro, it's the nano, it's the super influencers, it's the mid, every single influencer truly matters because they have their own specific audience and obviously their own voice, their own style. Um, so for us, it's been very exciting to not only widen the, you know, the, the number of influencers that we get to work with, but we also get to work with them in such different capacity, right? Before it was a lot of the trips, it's going to events, it's um, obviously gifting as part of like what we do, it's paid, etc. Um, and then recently we did launch our affiliate program, which we're referring to as a brand ambassador program. You know, you have over 30,000 influencers on that platform um, who's obviously, you know, driving traffic, conversion. And for us, it's been so exciting because you're you're meeting all these influencers from all over the world that we never knew existed. You know, they they came to us and said they applied and said, I want to be a, a brand ambassador. So that has been so exciting for me personally to just be exposed to, again, just a number of influencers that I never met, never was never even in my radar. Um, so that's been super duper cool. But, you know, influencers and creators will always be part of what we do. I think it's always just trying to evolve with them and making sure that, you know, we stay front and center with whatever platform they're on or whatever, obviously, projects, et cetera, that they're interested in. Yeah. I think you were also early to the, I guess, influencer 
founded brand or co-founded brand, you've done a lot of even more official partnerships than you're talking about. Tell me about the importance of those. Are you, have you launched, are you going to launch more or, or what's the success of them so far? The success has been incredible. And, and you do, you know, bring up a good point of how, you know, our relationships with influencers really are very organic, you know, and we really try to, you know, get them into the mix per se by first like inviting them to an event. And again, seeing if, you know, how our, how our consumers and fans on social media react to them when we post them, right? So that's like our first touch point with an influencer and also the consumers. Like how is the customer reacting to this influencer? And then from there, it obviously develops when we see that, you know, the consumer is really signaling to us that that's somebody that they want to continue to see. Um, you know, as a data-driven company, that's, you know, these are all kind of signs and signals and data points that we use to eventually get to a place where if someone is really, you know, signaling to us that they are able to bring in new consumers, they're able to convert, they can able to continue to grow their following, have great engagement, then, you know, kind of the, 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 the pinnacle of the, of the relationship is, having a brand with them. And so we've launched a few, obviously Camila Coelho, um, Song of Style with Ami Song, which, you know, these brands have been with us for four years. Um, Nicole Richie was our first one that's been with us for now eight years. Um, oh, wow. We obviously launched, yeah, Elsa Hosk last year, which was incredibly successful. And then, you know, I would say Remy Bader was is another example. You know, she is um, a TikToker, obviously now a massive creator and, and influencer. But at the time, she did a video on TikTok, basically just calling us out saying like, hey, Revolve, I really want to work with you guys, but I feel like you need somebody in the plus size community to come and tell you what to do. I would love to do a capsule with you. And pretty immediately, I would say within two days, um, we were on a call with her and her manager. And then within call it a week, we got a deal done and obviously launched that collaboration last year. So for us, it's, it's really, again, about the data points, but also really listening to our community and figuring out what are the opportunities? What are the blind spots? How we can, how we can we continue to be, um, you know, again, front and center, but also evolve as a brand. And so um, those experiences have been not only um, so productive in, 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 in teaching us, you know, of, of what else we could do, but also it's just been amazing to, to, again, continue to broaden kind of our community of influencers that we've typically worked with in the past. Yeah, I think when we were talking uh, fairly recently, we were. It's interesting the the fact that you you're able to leverage all this data. Want to know kind of about your speed after you get get the data, you know what's working. Um, I think during the pandemic, you talked about um, the the perk of having uh, being really diversified in terms of your product offerings. I think that beauty maybe um, came to the rescue a bit when when going out dresses weren't selling. But yeah, tell me about the evolution of the product and yeah, what the data is telling you now. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, Mike and Michael, both, you know, business engineer background. So I think culturally, um, you know, it really penetrates throughout the entire organization for us to really use data to navigate through, you know, small decisions, of course, and, you know, very big decisions. And I think 
with influencer marketing, um, you know, the first data point was when we started doing the trips, like we immediately saw the impact um, on our business. And that was, you know, bringing in new followers on Instagram and obviously um, ultimately to the website. I think for product, you know, again, we're constantly looking every single day of like what's selling, what is the consumer clicking on, how fast are they adding things to the cart? Um, and all of those really help the buying team and the merchandising team dictate exactly which brands to buy into, uh, you know, which styles. Um, and that was, you know, incredibly helpful, of course, as, as you mentioned, during the pandemic. But even now and every single day, again, we, we, we base our decisions based on what the consumer is telling us. And um, I think we, we've shown that across the board, again, whether it's the products that we buy to, of course, the influencers that we work with. Yes. What are they buying now? Am I, in my eye, I feel like everyone's shopping as though they work from home but party at night. <laughs> what is- <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. I mean, you know, dresses are backed as you know our our number one category, um, and I and you know I think that that's what the brand has become you know known for. Beauty is still growing, you know. Um, you know, pretty rapidly. We're also investing more in, in men's. And so for us, it's really, you know, diversifying, um, you know, with the consumer's lifestyle. Um, and it's really great to see that she's, you know, thinking about us when she wants to buy, you know, a party dress to go to a bachelor, bachelorette party, um, and to obviously buying denim and just active wear. Um, and so that's something, again, that the team and I are, are hyper-focused on is to make sure that, we're front and center every time she, you know, she thinks about making a purchase for, um, a, you know, a certain part of her life. Yes. Tell me about growing that men's business and how it's different from the women's side of things. I mean, we're really, really just starting. Um, and it's, you know, one of the exciting things, honestly, we hired a great um, men's director who's, you know, obviously very well-versed in um, in the space. And so I've, I'm really enjoying working with him as well because it is so different. You know, who are the male influencers? How are the male, how is the male consumer, you know, influence? How do they take in their inspiration, who do they look up to? Um, so that has been honestly one of the um, one of the most more exciting things that I'm working on is you know because I get an opportunity just to learn something that I've never done before. Yes, tell me about the forward business. Is it true that luxury luxury is booming, uh, and how is that impacting the business overall, or maybe um, informing moves for the the Revolve brand? Yeah, I mean, uh, Forward, again, is one of those, you know, I feel like I have two kids, you know, it's Revolve and, and, and Forward. Um, and, and Forward, you know, before we, we you know, there, before Kendall Jenner came on as a, as, as a CD creative director, it was really kind of building that business, building the brand, really understanding the consumer. And, you know, when Kendall Jenner came on, Last year, you know, she's really um, been super impactful to the business on a brand awareness level. Um, And she can, you know, she's very powerful in her own right, not just because, you know, she has over, what, 250 million Instagram followers, um, but because anything she wears, people are very, they, they take notice. And so she's very um, obviously involved with, you know, what she chooses on Kendall's, you know, picks, which does extremely well. Um, yeah, she has just, you know, made that business um, really, I think, a big player in the luxury space. Um, and we're just so happy to have her because, again, you know, being able to announce 
you know, every few weeks, you know, to millions and millions of people of what's on forward has absolutely been fantastic for, for forward. And, and honestly, you know, Halo's over to Revolve as well. Yes. My gosh, her most recent imagery, I follow her and <laughs> it was for forward and it was so striking. I wanted the outfit. Which one? Was it the one shoulder one? Or it, was, the, was it like one leg? On Somehow. One leg, sorry, not one shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yes, I think it was Alaya. Yeah, no, and that's that's the thing. Like she, you know, she chooses everything, and she's very um, just excited. And that's really the kind of people that you know, whether it's Kendall Jenner or Ami Song or Remy Bader. You know, when I think about like the people in our community, that's really who we want to con- continuously work with and support. Are people that just want to be part of what we're doing, understand, also has a lot to give and a lot, a lot to offer. Um, and so that has been, again, that relationship has been so exciting for us and so exciting for Forward. Yeah. The power of Kendall Jenner. I, Aloe Yoga just said the same thing to me when she wore this tennis outfit. Man, it, it took them to the next level as a company, which is wild. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, but, you know, it, it really makes sense. You know, I think with, with Kendall, she's really established herself as not just, of course, a fashion model, but but really somebody in the pop culture space that everybody looks to for inspiration. And so I know for myself, I did before she was even, you know, part of the kind of forward family. So um, it's amazing to see what she's able to do. Very cool. Well, I was looking at when it launched because I felt like we just talked about it, but Revolve Social Club has been launched in February 2022, um, right? A year in. Yes. Tell me about, is it's... You're holding true to this strategy. Is it working? What's how has it worked out? So um, Revolve Social Club was a, just a pop up. It oh. closed actually. Oh, yeah, so it I'm was off. open. Yeah, it's okay, Jill. It opened. It was open for three months, and you know it was it was such a success. You know, I think that's something that we want to continue to explore. Is um, you know a physical presence with that will allow us to bring in our fans and our consumers and our community to be able to connect with not just, of course, you know, the brand, but really like all the things that we sell, you know, and I think that that's always like the number one um, feedback that I get when we have these pop-up concepts is like, wow, like this blazer is really nice. So that's, you know, again, been kind of one of the more exciting things for me to think about is what does that look like for Revolve in the future? How do we continue to, to involve our community in um, in real life and not just, you know, just not just all these events that we do? Yes. A long-term lease is out of the question. Like pop-ups are where it's at. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's where it's at for sure. But we're definitely, again, trying to learn as much as possible um, to see what the future holds. I'll, I, that's all what I, I'm going to say for that. <laughs> <laughs> we will wait and see. Well, the company went public in 2019. How has that impacted your day-to-day, the company overall? You can tell it's different, yeah? Or Well, how would you describe it? I definitely can tell. I mean, it's definitely different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, um, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, and you have to, obviously report kind of your your like a grade every single like quarter of how you did um but i think that the organization has really shifted um you know pretty well i think you know mike and michael's vision of always thinking long term 
um, makes the job much easier to do on a daily basis because we're not, you know, dying and living by the quarter. It's really the long-term vision for the brand. And that's something that I know I kind of hold on to and think about when, um, when I'm, when I'm, you know, running the team. It's like, I know everything feels like on a quarterly basis, you're getting, you know, again, reporting your numbers. But equally as important is to always look at what are we doing in the next couple of years? How is that going to be impactful to the business? And always just kind of staying focused on what the vision and mission of the company is. We'll be right back after this quick break. How would you describe the the growth strategy? Is it like slow and steady? You're feeling the pressure to go faster? I don't know. Tell me about the pace. (laughs) I mean, I always feel like there's so much to do. Um, And I think that's um, a good and a bad thing, right? Because there's so many opportunities to go after. um, And that's, you know, one of the most exciting things about, you know, what I do. And I think, to be honest, the entire executive leadership team is thinking about how we can grow the company. Um, and, and what's great is that there's not really a rush. I think it's a matter of, it's not if we're going to get there, it's a matter of when, which is again, an, an incredible mentality to have as a team to know that, again, we're working towards the same goals. We want to grow the business. Of course, like who doesn't want to grow as fast as possible? But I also think that there's, um, you know, potential, uh, you know, dangers to growing really, really fast. Um, you know, the business has been around for 20 years. We celebrated our 20 year anniversary yesterday. And, um, I know, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And, and that just gives me as someone who's worked there for 11 years, um, you know, a, 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 a peace of mind of some sort, knowing that again, you have very senior leadership that understand the ebbs and flows of a business that's gone through multiple recessions. Um, obviously COVID, we've never experienced anything like this before. Um, so being able to navigate through all these challenges, um, and to know that the company has grown. I mean, I think in 2019, we were, you know, doing $500 million in revenue. Um, and then we just crossed our 1 billion revenue in 2022. So to know that the business can grow that, that quickly, even though it doesn't feel like it, but it, it, when I, when I look at those numbers, it, it blows my mind that, that, that we were able to achieve that in such a short amount of time. So I'm absolutely, you know, excited for, for what's to come, um, and know that, you know, we have a lot of opportunities that we can, we can go after. It's just really picking and choosing kind of the priorities and, and doing, you know, doing it as well as possible. Yeah. Would you say the focus in terms of growth is more so on like categories, like there's beauty, there's men's, um, more so than maybe like international. Do you have high international ambition? Yes. I mean, Jill, when I say all of it, it's all of it. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, you know, international is, you know, call it 15 to 25% of the business at any given quarter. Um, and it, it constantly fluctuates, obviously, because, you know, there's, um, you know, currency headwinds. I mean, there's things are constantly changing. Um, and so the priorities there in terms of countries also change um, per kind of year. Um, so trying to support that team to make sure that we're um we're growing as quickly as possible in key in key territories, and then for the categories, one thousand percent. I think it it's it's part of the growth strategy. It's absolutely necessary for us to to achieve you know the large revenue targets that we have. Um, so aside from you know men's and beauty, it's really important. Again, as I said in the beginning of of the podcast, to I want the customer to think about us for every 
you know, occasion or kind of purpose in her life, whether it's going out to, you know, dinner, to brunch, to going back into the office, to working out and her aloe, um, or her, you know, her Nikes or, or APLs. So, and of, and of course, beauty. So, um, that's really top of mind for me and the entire team is how to expand wallet share and really capture everything that she's, you know, going out to do and shopping with us for all of those things. Yes. I feel like not everyone knows your background as a brand founder. <laughs> um, I would think that that <laughs> really? set you up for amazing success um, in terms of knowing the ins and outs of the business um, in your in your specific role too. But anyway, go back. <laughs> Lovers and friends. Anyway, your, your pre-revolve days and, and what, um, how you think that set you up for well. Yeah, I think, you know, being an entrepreneur first and then, you know, coming into this role as as chief brand officer for for, you know, RVLV group, um, you know, I think one of the things is just having that entrepreneurial spirit of, you know, rolling up your sleeves and getting work done. Um, you know, in the very beginning, you know, for a long time, actually, you know, we didn't have a very big budget at all for our brand marketing, right? We were really testing a lot of these um, you know, strategies and tactics to figure out if they they would work. And so I think even just that mentality of taking risk um, is is something that's part of, of course, me, but also, again, Mike and Michael who started the business, like very entrepreneurial in that way. Um, and really just, you know, being, um, you know, flexible, open-minded, taking risk, um, and again, rolling up your sleeves, working, um, of course, you know, to figure out what's best, but, but also being okay with if it doesn't like work out, you know, and I think, again, that's part of like, when you're an entrepreneur, knowing that when you take risks, not every single thing is going to pay off, but man, when you do, and one does, it can be a big win. And I think that's a lot of the things that I've applied to my role, um, here is, is really, um, encouraging my team to think outside the box to, you know, share ideas that maybe other brands and companies are not thinking about. Um, and to know that if there is, you know, or there are a few ideas that sound like they could be good, that I'm, I would be super open to trying them out because I think that, you know, that's really what kind of got us here is to, again, take those risks and, and, um, and just do the work to get it done. Yes. Gosh, so many changes lately in terms of marketing, the landscape overall. So we've got the rise so of many. the rise of TikTok. <laughs> we've got all of these privacy rules and laws and new barriers. Um, God, I mean, what else? I was just and your influencer strategy changing. I would just say your own your own team in house. Like, has this required? I guess like shifts or maybe some new key hires or how has your team evolved to accommodate all this? I mean, it's constantly evolving. Um, you know, and you're constantly trying to figure out again, where the consumer, you know, where is she? What is she looking to for inspiration? How can we be effective? Is this going to be, you know, a, an efficient, a cost efficient, um, uh, strategy. And, and because of that, you know, it's, it's, it's constant meetings and I, I'm so grateful to have the team that I have. Um, we brought on two very senior people in the last, um, two years, one specifically for content. Her, her name is Tani. And then, um, another woman named Kimmy to take over our influencer 
talent and press strategy. So both of them have, you know, very big jobs, both have VP titles. And, you know, they've been instrumental in not only, you know, diversifying where we are on social media, because before we were very Instagram focused. And now you kind of have to be everywhere all at once as a brand. I mean, you know this, Jill, you guys have a podcast. I mean, you, you know, you're everywhere. Um, uh, and so for Revolve, you know, it, it's the same mentality. It's like, how can we reach more people? And, and I think for brand marketing, it becomes an even bigger task because there are so many changes with, of course, you know, Apple, and it's also very, very expensive to acquire a new consumer. And so for us being strategic and creative in where we find these new consumers is again, very top of mind and having a senior leadership team that understands the dynamic of that is extremely important. And they're, they've been, you know, they've been so valuable and key into shifting strategies along the way. Yes. Well, obviously there's TikTok. Any other, I guess, emerging platforms or new, uh, I don't know, new opportunities you're tackling on platforms um, that has proven successful or maybe surprisingly successful, whether that's Be Real or Discord or Does Revolve have a podcast? I don't know of one. I know. We are trying to get it together. <laughs> We're not on Be Real yet. Um, but, you know, it's just, again, for for a, a large, you know, a mid-sized large brand like Revolve, I think even just trying to figure out, for instance, within Instagram, right? Like there's so many different products already on Instagram. There's Instagram Reels, there's Instagram just a feed, there's Instagram Stories. So figuring out what the strategy is for each, you know, obviously took a bit of time. And again, going back to data, figuring out on a monthly cadence and now even on a weekly cadence, you know, what's hitting, what's working, what do we have to shift so that the team can pivot as quickly as possible. Um, obviously TikTok, you know, same thing. And then there's YouTube shorts now, which we're really getting, you know, into. And it's nice because this is really, you know, as much as, it, you know, it, it is a challenge to be present and good at all these channels. It's also kind of nice because it's the first time where in some ways you can repeat that content across three different platforms, which is Reels, um, TikTok, and now YouTube Shorts, right? And to to, to be able to capture potentially three different um, consumer base. So that's very exciting to me, though it is a lot of work. Um, it's it's nice to know that, that the, the content can potentially lo- uh, stretch a little bit longer. I am hearing from brands galore about Excitement over YouTube Shorts. I need to get on there. Yeah, but it's like the next get big on thing, there. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I mean, also because you know what I'm what I've been saying to my team is that there's little, there's absolutely no risk on YouTube Shorts, right? It, one, it's an American, you know, Google's an American based company, so there's not going to be, you know, this um, potentially any kind of ban from the government. And then two, it's like the second most visited like site in the entire world is YouTube. So, and it's been around for, for so long, you know, I don't know if it's been almost 15, 16 years that this platform YouTube has been on. So it's proven it's, you know, it's safe in the sense that it might not even ever be in like the ban kind of um, conversation or with, 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 with Congress and the government. Um, so yes, I think it's something that, every single brand and, and, you know, potentially creator should, should definitely consider. For sure. Tell me about your TikTok um, 
presence. Um, I hear from brands that are putting, you know, the power in the influencer's hands, but in terms of your own, I guess, Revolve's account, what are you owning? What are you putting out there? What is working on that platform? Yeah. So for, for, for Revolve, I think a few things um, that have, sh- that has shifted. I think, you know, before when we were very, you know, Instagram heavy, we really relied on influencers for that content, which is still, again, very important and holds true in a lot of ways. But for TikTok, we really shifted our strategy to make, you know, homegrown content, right? So just figuring out kind of what the Gen Z consumer is, especially on that platform, what they are resonating with. And so for us, it's it's just creating the content in-house. And of course, we supplement it with, you know, um, creators on TikTok that really um, have kind of, you know, the following and the president, the press presence that is uh, resonating with our followers on TikTok. But we've done a lot of, you know, homemade content, which before we really never did. You know, our homemade content was really done when we went on these trips or these events. But now, you know, it's more programmatic in the sense of we're pushing out content every single day that we're just shooting in studio or on uh, employees or, you know, um, or obviously during like our product shots, et cetera. So the content, I think, really boils down to making sure it feels like Revolve and we can create that and control that content by just producing it ourselves. Yes. Personally, do you have a presence? I do not. I do. I love TikTok. Um, I wish I had more time to just <laughs> to just do it every single day. I think consistency is, you know, I know um, I'm sure everybody says it, but consistency is absolutely key. Um, and I haven't been consistent at all, but I, I just love being part of the community. And I think for me to be able to give feedback to my team, I have to also be able to just, even if making one or two videos a month or something so that I can at least have actual experience to give back to the team of like, hey, this this takes really long. Like, I, you know, and, and have a perspective of what that work is. Um, and if I don't, then it's like, I, I'll just, I, I, I just won't have that perspective. So that's actually one of the biggest reasons why I'm active on it is that I want to have a perspective that um, is, 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 is learned and not just something that I read. Um, and so be, me being an active participant, I think is, is really, really important. Agree. Gosh, what's weighing on your mind now? Challenging. What are you challenging? Keeping you up at night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lots of things keep me up at night. No, um, I think, you know, the last couple of years really has been um, figuring out how to evolve the brand. You know, like, you know, I think this is how we started the the conversation this morning is, um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of brands have really kind of adopted a lot of the things that we were doing. And so what's kept me up at night the last couple of years, honestly, because I I saw the trend and I saw, you know, the the content that was being pushed out. I saw the landscape of, you know, the influencer landscape change significantly because again, so many different companies and not just fashion companies, every single type of company, auto, tech, I mean, beauty, I mean, you name it, right? Um, need are, they're using influencers which is incredible for for that influencer economy but tougher on brands right and so you know the last couple of years has really been thinking about what's next for revolve how can we evolve what does the next five to ten years look like for the brand you know having been at the company now for 10 years um 10 plus years I'm really, you know, excited to to put forward something that feels, you know, new and refreshing 
and that will also sustain growth for the next, you know, couple of years. Um, and, you know, I think, I think we have it. <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're, we're slowly launching several things that I, that I think will be impactful and refreshing and new to the business. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, which is, you know, very big, I'm, I'm really excited for, for this next phase of, of Revolve. Um, you know, I, I think there's so much more, like I said, that we can do. And, and I'm just really happy and, and excited and honored to be a part of the journey of the brand and, and what's, what's to come. I mean, it says something about the company. If after 10 years, you're still feeling inspired and motivated and you are (laughs) feeling it. Tell me about like, obviously, again, you're a public company. So your goals, projections for the year out there for your unique, um, I guess, your team specifically. Uh Yeah. Do you have specific goals for the year? I mean, some of the goals are very, you know, well, one, it's like constantly, of course, trying to, you know, acquire new consumers. Like that's forever will be my job, right? Is like, how do we get in front of more people? How do we then get them to the website? And then ultimately how we, how do we get them to buy something over and over again. I mean, simply like, that's like what I do for, for work. Um, so it's, it's always that. And I think one of the biggest things is to be active on multiple social media platforms, as well as, um, you know, even podcasts or blogs, et cetera, just other ways to be able to connect with the consumer, but also to, to own that content. I think that's one thing that, um, I'm trying to stress to the team and really get off the ground is, you know, we're really at the mercy of TikTok if they change their algorithm. We're really at the mercy of Instagram if they want to like change their algorithm to be more reels focused. And then next thing you know, it's back on the feed. Like it's just kind of back and forth, right? And so I think owning your content and the way it's distributed is going to be an important um, strategy and focus for us um, is, to, is to build those channels um, because, you know, again, we're, we're able to kind of put out the content we want when we want it and not kind of live in this like algorithm fear of like what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes, those direct connections, loyalty, loyalty. That's a challenge. So much noise out there. So much. And and it's like, you know, I think it, it's part of 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 just how you acquire a consumer and how you keep them with you for as long as possible. Um and that's like one of the more kind of you know, exciting things again about Revolve as a brand is knowing that the consumer does stay with us for a very long time after she makes a purchase. Um, and so that's, you know, continues to be my focus is how do we continue to keep her entertained? How do we keep her engaged? And, you know, a lot of the things is beyond just marketing, right? A lot of it comes back to merchandising and the brands that we carry and how, you know, the website is styled. So there's just so many layers to it. So there are a ton of goals, Jill, and a lot, a lot of, a lot of it is, is really cross, you know, across multiple teams that we share kind of the same goal and same vision. Amazing. Risa, till the next time we're called together to, for me to grill you again. We, I love doing this with you. Thank you for being me here. Me too. <laughs> this was Jill, fantastic. thank you so much again for having me. Um, I enjoyed our conversation so much and thank you for asking, you know, very hard questions about how all of, you know, how this whole entire kind of landscape continues to evolve. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Excited to see your next step. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. 
Thanks for listening to The Glossy Podcast.